0: Welcome to I'm not Not a a peach crayon. See, I was on point that time. This time we're talking about book two in the series for the bells, called The Everlasting Rose by Danielle Clayton. In the story, we are uh, just keep going, girl. (laughs) I know. For some reason, I just blanked. I don't know what is wrong. Okay, this is the sequel. Like I said, it's a New York uh, to the New York Times bestselling novel, The Bells. Uh, where Camille Beauregard our heroine the former favorite Belle must race against time to find the ailing Princess Charlotte who has disappeared without a trace the evil Queen Sophia's Imperial forces will stop at nothing to keep Camille her sister Adel and her loyal guard Remy from returning Charlotte to the palace and her rightful place as Queen with the help of an underground resistance movement called the Iron Ladies a society that rejects beauty treatments entirely and the backing of alternative newspaper, The Spider's Web, Camille uses her powers, her connections, and her cunning to outwit her greatest nemesis, Sophia, and attempt to restore our peace to Orléans. But enemies lurk in the most unexpected places, forcing Camille to decide just how much she's willing to sacrifice to save her people. Mm. Deep stuff. Okay, so, uh, as this is book two, I... I forgot how I found this but there was there's a context to how she or the the mind space that she was in when she was writing the second book and possibly the first book as well I'm not quite sure um, but I only found this in reference to the second book and it was that as she was doing this this story she was dealing with this uh, liver t- uh, cancerous liver tumor that had developed because of her use of a oral contrac- contraceptive for cystic acne
1: Okay. and
0: uh When I think about also a lot of reasons why women have to use birth control for various reasons, mine was for uh, having cystic cysts that grew on my ovaries and it was supposed to help with uh, the, you know, keeping them, making them small and helping them break. Yeah, or or showing up and torquing my ovaries as I learned a new word at that time in my life. That's a fascinating new word. Torquing. Yeah, it definitely hurt. Uh, But we all there are many reasons why women have had to use birth control that are outside of just the context of sex. Yes. And the other issue with that, though, is that there's a lot of damage that comes from that using it in our bodies. It damages the bloodstream. It can cause you to have cysts. It can mess with your hormone levels. There's so many side effects. And it kind of reminds me of that one time where they had started testing male birth control. Yes. And then men, they had to stop because men couldn't handle the side effects. And I was just like, are you for real? Because when that was happening with women and when there were contraceptives that were on the market for women that were horrible and were causing women to become sterile. We were told to suck it up. Yes. And it took a long time for some of those things to get off the market. And instead of staying off the market anywhere, Mm. instead, they don't sell them in the United States anymore, but they will sell them overseas to to areas like Africa, other developing nations. Without batting an eye or blinking about it and these things are harmful mm-hmm. they're still harmful now It just, some and with to your point yes why is it that if it's not good for this group of people just because they're not a developing nation why is it that they get the are they subhuman and that goes to the whole question of like african americans and they're seen as or you know the concept of them being seen as subhuman As well, like this thing that it's not it's it's shit for me, but it's okay for you to use like ham hocks. You remember ham hocks and all that good stuff? Yes. Ham hocks, you know, chitlins. I can't stand chitlins. Um, One of the other things that it makes me think of was when it was something that I I think I saw it or read it online. And they were saying how using women, particularly women who are African women, as basically being test subjects for things human human giddy pigs for things and then once and it works key, or how or however it works on or the effects on women there then we'll go on and see whether or not it can work on for other women and things like that there's a we have a great history of times that black people and native americans indigenous people have been used as test subjects yes for, particularly in this country mm-hmm. so it's nothing new so i think that When you realize that that is also the mindset that she was writing in and dealing with, it lends to a lot of understanding of certain nuances throughout the book and the story of anger, this idea of power and beauty. Right. And uh, the things that we as women of all colors, but especially as black women or indigenous women go through to a have to kind of fit in this box of a beauty standard but also to their their health their to to just function in this world and be able to take care of themselves a lot of times they have to just take what is given because that's all there is and just hope that the side effects aren't as bad you know what i mean right and a lot of things because most medical advancements in and medicines and things like that from things that i've read those things are tested for the reaction on men, mm-hmm. and I believe particularly white men, how mm-hmm. it affects them. The reference them. man. Yes. But men in general, it, it's only, they test it on men. They test men. They test male, like lab rats and things like that. Mm-hmm. But they don't think about the, the things that would affect a female body. They don't test for what happens f- specifically for women and then whatever works, if it works for a man or whatever, then they just mass produce it and it's supposed to work for everyone. And this is not just in the context of birth control and other things. This is in the con- of, context of the medical yeah, field, the med- medical profession in general. And for some reason, I don't understand why in 2020 we haven't caught up to the fact that there are two basic groups, male and female mm-hmm. that Exist on this planet And the spectrum in between We can go from there But yes right. The far end of both spectrums Yes But you know Medicine should reflect that It mm-hmm. should not only be Reflecting one gender It's amazing how Many aspects of how Our day to day life Is influenced Because I don't know if I was Talking to you this about this Before we started recording With the idea of the Reference man Of even the masks That we wear For PPE uh, there was a she did an interview, Samantha B of this one doctor who I think she did the interview, but I digress. The doctor took her time her vacation to go help out in New York with the, the, the hospital situation during COVID. And she emphasized the fact that it was so difficult for her to function there because these masks did not fit her petite face in a way and it was covering her her lower mask her goggles were covering her lower mask in a way that it wasn't sealing properly because it was not made for her face or her body right and they went into the idea of even just test dummies for cars yes and how it's the test dummies are built for a male body and when they do use or keep women in mind it's usually a child-sized test dummy right which is why a lot of women have died in car incidents accidents because their bodies aren't accounted for, which is something I did not realize. I mean, cause you know, you see those, those commercials and stuff where they have the test dummies and things like that, but none of them look like women. They all have a male frame. Do you remember when they used to talk in the commercials?
1: Yes, it was. There's was sp- a whole period creepy. of time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I think that is really interesting how on just the basic level of everyday little things, the various body types are not taken into account, the various reactions to genetically for medicine and things like that, how people will react, the use of certain groups of people as test subjects for many things, and yet it's not created or geared towards them. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, So there's a lot to think about going on in, in, in this young adult novel. And I have to say... As an overall scheme of seeing both books, it holds together as a very good argument. And we'll get into that more later. As she starts the book, her dedication is, for all the angry girls, there is nothing wrong with you. And I want you to sit with that for a second. Just all of you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're beautiful. You have power. And you should know your own value and self-worth. And I think that's an important aspect that we're dealing with now in the community at at large in the world of like black beauty not only black beauty but just self-worth and self-value as a human uh and understanding that your anger is warranted and that there's so much emotion going on that it's hard to put into context but we're doing the best we can and you have to remind yourself to also be gentle and remember the joy of life as well as we still fight And struggle of course I mean If you can't remember the joy Of life then what is the point Of fighting and struggling I mean That's why we do it because we we Know how enjoyable and how good life Can be we see it all the time And the thing is well it should be Able to be that way for me as well So in the story an important character I think embodies this concept Of understanding the value Of their what they're born with and the beauty of it was Remy, yes. and Remy is a very strong and solid character throughout both books, but you more so in the second book. You get a chance to really get to know Remy in yes. the second book because the first book you're kind of she's creating this world and introducing you to it, and it's slowly building. But by the time you get to the second book, you already know what's going on, and so it becomes more fast paced. Mm-hmm like this is what's going on so we hit the ground and we're just running and it allows her to explore more the the intricacies of each personality of certain characters and how the the topic or the conversation that she's trying to get across is addressed through these backstories that you get more of uh, insight into cuz in the first book you you know Remy has a family he really loves his sisters he He's genuinely good, even though you have some second thoughts about him or you're not quite sure. You kind of think Remy is just super just rigid. That's your first opinion of Remy when you first meet him because we don't get a chance to get to know Remy because Remy is very, what's the word for it? Um, I guess by the book. Mm -hmm. You know, he's Mm -hmm. a soldier. He follows the rules. This is what we do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it makes for him interacting with people, particularly someone who's com- like Camille, who is very free spirited. She's a complete opposite of Remy, but he's like, I'm in the terms of this is what I'm supposed to do. My job is to protect you. That's it. And, and she's like, I need more than that. I, I, it doesn't matter that you're here to protect me if I don't know you, if I can't trust, trust you. you. And so that leads to some friction kind of a little bit between the two of them because mm-hmm. he wants to do his job to protect her, but yet she doesn't want him to protect her because she doesn't know him. Right? He, he's very, to her, he feels cold. He confer- or acknowledges that in the second book where he remarks of how they're taught to view Bells and how they're just these, they're removed and he there's his role as... Um, he. I think he describes it almost as a puppet, but his role is to be there to protect these these dolls, these um yes. products, and ser- or these servants of the community. They're removed from humanity. They're so far outside of the realm that they're not. They're dehumanized. Yeah, they're, they're not d- people. You, like you said, they're dolls and not people. They're there, and they're there to service. So they're needed to be protective because they're valuable sources of power and wealth and and labor but but they're pretty and delicate they're pretty and delicate so that's why we have to protect them but at the same time there's all this power to them or behind them that we don't quite understand so we also have to keep them in check with rules and balances and things like that. So they must be directed and guided. So because a lot of times Remy was telling her what she needs to do, what she should do. You need to follow me. This is how we keep you safe. You don't understand these things. I am here to make sure you do what is right. I'm here to guide your behavior. Not entirely because there were other people like that within the castle as well. He was more there to make sure she was okay and no one. Did but anything I, to harm her Do you see what I mean though right. In the, the larger context He was a part of this piece yeah, Or it this, was a system this, that was created because To keep them in place to, Yeah exactly Which leads to so much of what is going on Right mm-hmm. now in the greater society Sometimes you kind of feel like She was some type of soothsayer who like not she write able the second to, book though To put all of this yeah. together In a way to break it down For people of all ages yeah. To understand in this smaller context Honestly, on my way home so that we could record tonight, I was sitting on the the train, rereading my notes, and it was just the rethink. There were notes that I had taken about the the bells, the Bell Act, the Bell Fugitive Act, and some other laws that Queen Sophia had pa- who had passed um, as she's becoming queen that were slowly taking away certain rights. And we discussed this in the last episode, kind of the rigid structure uh, of system she was creating. Right. To kind of control the bells, but also create her own power, new a new form of power over the land and how she interacted with her subjects. She and, was consolidating a lot of the power and she was getting rid of the structures that had been put into place to make sure that, she that there keep, was kind of like a check. exact, And that she could it. keep that power. Right. There was no way to just I think one of them was that she could not be you could not uh, unsit a queen after she had been. Yeah, she had put a lot of laws and things into place, mm. beauty rankings to allocate right. wealth and land and, and, and status. Exactly. And no one could be more beautiful mm. than the queen. But they had to be beautiful enough to hang out with her right. or be in her court. But, but she not was the one who controlled all that. And what that meant. So my mind kept sliding over to, oh, hey the bell fugitive act this and in my head i was like the fugitive slave act and then i just started thinking about jim crow laws and during the reconstruction during slavery the black codes and laws that existed to keep the behavior of both freed and slave or uh uh uns- in- un- enslaved, enslaved thank you yeah. uh in check and to make sure that they had no access to any education to free themselves and it was the same with camille and them they were Totally kept uh, separated, isolated over at... I forgot the name of the school that they were at by DuBerry. And at one point, DuBerry says to her, she's like, I'm sorry, I should have prepared you. I should have taught you about what was going on in this world and given you information as a form of power to, to protect yourself. Right, because... They ended up in the situation because they didn't understand and therefore they could not protect themselves Mm -hmm. because things were so much different than what they were led to believe. And it just kept going and going and going. Right. Which had them becoming exploited to the fact that some of them, it killed some of them. Mm -hmm. The work that they were being forced to do, they were enslaved by the state. There was no way out. Mm hmm. And if there was except for dying and if you tried to fought, like run or fight, there was just somewhere else they could use to replace you. And I that idea, too, that exists within. Oh, you don't want to play by the rules. I can find someone to replace you that exists not only within race, but also social uh, social classes and going to employees and employers. Oh, you don't want to you don't want to uh, do exactly what I say, even though it's it's a, a violation of your rights as an individual. That's okay. I got someone else that I can replace you with. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like this. But it was even more sinister with this because it's not like they were just free to go anywhere. Mm. They just were automatically taken and they would be moved from place to place. So if you are not doing what I want you to do here, that's okay. I'll find someone to replace you. Mm-hmm. But you are not free to go. No, i just imprison you, you here or force you to work somewhere else. Exactly. Or- or I send you back to wherever, and so everyone else who may know you has no idea where you are, because you, you've Cause been I'm chumpled all over the place. Around. Yeah. And they did that so much with Black Lives, and especially during slavery. I was like, oh, I feel that this family is getting a little too close, or that... Not a little too close, but or you know what I Or I mean? need, for whatever reason, I need this or that for the plantation, so, so I'm I going sell. to sell... Right or I need to break this person, so I'm going to sell your children so that you learn to obey me. Like this idea of like the human life is a co- not even a human life; it's Cause a commodity. they consider, yeah, they consider them cattle, channel, chattel, so they're not even a human life. This commodity that I can no, move around. No, in the to the Constitution, they were three fifths of a person. Okay, so three fifths of a human life. Mm. If you Which, can count three fifths of a human life, it's like if, can you have that? It's like I'm not great at math, so maybe I just don't know. But I didn't know that you could be. Three fifths of a human, or a quarter of a human, or half of a human. I figured you were either all human or you were dead. Or not human at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So you're there's either three, all or nothing. There's you three options be... you're
0: human, you're dead, or you're not human. <laughs> I mean, unless you are part extraterrestrial, Who makes in which case human. you might be half that's human. True. But I don't know too many extraterrestrials currently. Mm hmm. That I could say that there are a good portion of if people you're out who there, are half extraterrestrial yeah. and half human. If you want to come on our show and let us know about what it's like to be an extraterrestrial slash human. Extraterrestrial slash human. would be very human. fascinating to find out. And if you've written a book about your experience, that would be great too. Right? Let's do it. Uh, so <laughs> there's just a lot of parallels that I think the more and more I reflect on this book, just thinking about, even up until this point, the laws from very beginning, as soon as a, a brown foot touched the soil, even prior to when they were removing indigenous people at different times, these laws that had been created since day one to ho- systematically hold people in their place, keep them out of the loop and keep them ignorant so that there it was difficult for them to come together rise up or make change or request for their own rights you know what i mean there's just been and even up until now there's still within our laws within the way we make products with how we market to people up until now with like trump uh reversing certain laws and rights for daca and lgbtq plus and all of these things and or then, just railroading them yes yeah, so. straight up or putting in new laws that are anti- blah 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 I mean we can go through an entire list of that and as I was reading the book and Sophie is just passing law after law after law oh it just it just clicked the parallel and it was creepy I mean the yes beauty is the commodity in this but it's with that beauty came labor of kind of, of there was power wrapped up in it there were so many things that were tied together society how people were viewed in society and sophia uses all of those things in order to maintain control the beauty tokens she controls who gives out the tokens mm-hmm. her cronies that she hand selected control who gives who who would give out the to- the the tokens she also upended the government Mm -hmm. once her mother had died and anyone who dissented right they got the boot or they had family members or friends or loved ones held hostage Mm -hmm. by her you know it did she didn't call it that but she made sure that she kept those people separated and then she would try this what i thought was also interesting is even though she's keeping like these people hostage by a certain means, she would then try to ingratiate herself with them by sending them these gifts and keeping them in this lavish environment as a way to be like, hey, yeah, I know I'm sorry that I have your like wife or husband or kids in jail, but here's some like fun stuff because you know I want you to still love me. Well, the other thing she did was she kept tight control over the media mm-hmm. and all any correspondences and also anything that any people said she had basically this type of secret police surveillance type thing, yeah. surveillance on everybody so if you said certain k- trigger words like it would pick monster up. it would pick up and record what you're saying mm-hmm. and then send it back so then she, she could have her people hunt you down right and it was not even that just that there was also the fact that even how she was using to track beauty oh, for sure. was a way for her to kind of peek in and and spy on everyone's at-home lives like she had a way to put something in every home that people wouldn't even realize that they were being tracked with there was something that Duberry said in the book later when she and camille reunite at one point and she is it kind of goes to this idea of beauty as power and how is beauty used to silence and suppress but also empower right. um so Duberry's camille is angry, of course, understandably so with DuBerry. And she asked, why did you allow this to happen? Why are people using us this way? I don't understand why this has even gotten to this point and how they could have been lied to all these years. And DuBerry says, you need to understand the value of beauty and how it creates deficiencies in the world. Deficiency is weakness. Beauty is power. It creates need and desire and want. That right there." Even, you could switch out beauty with something else, but that idea of that if you don't have this thing, you're already at a disadvantage, and I can use that against you to keep you subjugated. Right. It all boils back down to greed. So much of what has gone on in the past that has impacted our current present in society was based upon greed. I want what you have. And so, if or I, I don't to, want you to have anything else. Not even that I want what you have, but also I want everything. You don't even have it. I just want it for right. myself. But any resource for them, beauty is a resource. Mm. Beauty is, uh, and, and you. it's like any other resource. If you have it and I want it, I just found a way to get what I want from you. And it doesn't matter how I treat you in the process. If I have to dehumanize you, mm-hmm. set you up as some type of doll or puppet and have you excluded from society to keep control over you or to keep control over that commodity or that resource, then so be it. But it's mine and I'll do whatever I have to in to order get to maintain it and to keep it, even if it means changing systems that have been in place Upending laws, all right. these other things to make sure continuing I can, certain things, yeah, have it, yeah, and to keep you from it mm-hmm. and anyone else from it. Sophia was was Sophia was she <sighs> was clever, yeah, she, she was very clever. She figured it out. The funny, not the funny thing, the crazy thing, not even the crazy, the fact that she started thinking in this mode since she was a small child too like the influence because she said she figured out that the power in the blood and she had started experimenting from a young age and it made me wonder too, or reflect on the fact that also the environment that she was growing up with that allowed her to think that this was okay to even begin or be and that facilitated her to get to this point. Because it wasn't just like, wham, bam, thank you, man. Sophia's in power and she is the monster suddenly. This was the, there were things in place that had been growing and building for years that were allowed to happen that just made it easy for Sophia to come into power. Well, of course. But one of those things was that no one ever challenged her. Mm. No one ever said, you can't do that. You have to stop. Mm-hmm. That's against the law you're breaking the law mm-hmm. and here are consequences for that. She never faced any consequences. And so what happens is just like children who never get get told no when they are misbehaving, they continue to do it and they continue to up the ante because no one says no until something irreversible happens. And now they're facing serious jail time or prison time for that. Or someone has been severely injured because Mm. of something that they've done. But that's the thing. If you never say no and you never enact consequences, you just say, well, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. Like there were no consequences in place for what she was doing. And because of that. She just continued to go on and And keep doing whatever she wanted. When I think about that, even now, just reflecting on what you said, I'm very much thinking in my head, police, how they've been allowed to use chokeholds and things that are that have been known and proven to kill people in action. And they haven't been penalized. There hasn't been any consequence. Even now with Breonna Taylor, only one of the cops has gotten fired. And yes, you're, they created this, the, the no-knock, or they banned the no-knock uh, warrant. Right. But it's like, okay, you made this law, for I guess future things but there still needs to be accountability for what has happened and yet these cops have not been have not there have not been any consequences and the same for like what happened when we talked last episode about those the union uh New York union yeah police officers yeah and Florida was like hey now come on down to us we got you that kind of thing is that there still exists, there has for so long been an excuse of uh, the, what's the, the quality? Qualified equal, immunity. Thank you. The qualified immunity that has existed for so long. And it made me, when I think more about Sophia and her rise to power and being unchecked, it just very much in my head, I was like, police police politicians even that's what i was also thinking politicians because they didn't stop her Mm -mm. she had an entire court full of people not one of them said anything Mm -hmm. they watched someone die and i'm hearkening back to the last book and they said they did nothing they said nothing they just watched i think that was when she was having a conversation with her her ex case of the ex and she felt bad because she she felt that she was implicit in claudine's death at that time, she, you know, she's she's beating up herself. But August was like, no, you couldn't have had... You were in no position of power to prevent Sophia from doing anything by yourself. And so he told her, the rest of us should have challenged Sophia, stood together against her terrible game. We can't expect one person or even two to take the entire burden of resisting on their shoulders. We all have to stand up and say no. And I think what's interesting... What's amazing about this time is that more people, even though it took them a while to, to say no or acknowledge, there are more people, and I think that's, that are standing up to say no, and that this is not right, and taking responsibility for their lack of acknowledgement or their implicitness in everything that has led up to this point, which is why we have changes, but there's, it's just not, we're not there yet, and we can see that by the fact that there are still people who are not been charged for the innocent murder of these people. Yes. And I can go into all the other things. Right. In, that and are going on, and the unfortunate thing is, as history has previously shown, they might not be charged or all of them may not be charged or it would be very difficult to get a conviction. And that's also a huge problem. That goes back to the story with the everlasting rose, which is very interesting to me that it has multiple meanings in the story, the everlasting rose. But I digress. But here we go into the story Of the everlasting rose where we will come Back to the quote that you read By August that it will play out One more time in the story So it's like we had Something very similar happening in The last book And it happens again in this book And there's still no real Change Mm, Yeah I get what you're saying yes yeah I don't want to Go into it because it's it's something There was yeah the thing is, Is that there is A difference in the second time around Mm. a couple differences, actually. And so when you read the story, you'll see what you'll you'll get a chance to read what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But it's like the the change comes slowly and then you need to have people who are willing to step in and say, you know what, this is wrong. You cannot do this Mm -hmm. and say, you know what, I'm going to change things. And that makes all the difference because if no one is willing to, to step up and, and do, do that and say that and make it happen, mm-hmm. then nothing ever, ever changes. And everything that happened just goes for naught. And it means just not the people who have skin in the game. This goes to people who don't, what's the word I want to say, who don't have as much to lose if this doesn't work. Right. You know what I mean? If change doesn't happen, those people, too, have to put do better and stand up. It's not just because this goes to the, with Camille and the rest of them in the story. They started speaking up, especially Adel. and was like, this is wrong. I don't oh, like this. Stop Adel. Yeah. But they were being shut down time and time again. And it took also other people who were not Bells to step up and help, the, including the Iron Ladies. What I think is interesting that we can roll into which not a smooth transition, but was the idea of how there are people out there that were willing to help the cause and support, even if it wasn't their own specifically because they saw connections between their cause and the other and Adel understandably so was untrusting of anyone because she had a terrible thing that had happened to her and she had lost already being a wild spirit who was in rebellion against the system of its, and speaking out against it she then had to deal with her own trauma and it was very hard for her to trust anyone without having them having ulterior motives and I kind of felt with Adel because we were having conversation about this before of it's sometimes very hard when allies especially after everything that's happened now have been reaching out yes and there's that cynical voice in your head where are you helping me because it makes you look good and you can say Hey, I helped out, and I'm an ally because I checked in on my friend, or I donated this one time, and I'm going to advertise it to everyone so that it makes you feel good about yourself, right? That you did something, right? So, are you here for the cause and for me, whatever the, and the me is myself and my cause, but also the me and other causes, or are you here for yourself to center yourself? And I have to be very careful not to, it's hard. It's an extra thing that we have to now navigate too. It was like, who do I know that is here for me and who is actually just here for their own? And that's the thing though, is that old saying, actions speak louder than words. Mm. Because no matter what, your actions are always gonna give you away. You can, you can talk a good game. And we've had plenty of politicians talk very good mm. games, mm. but their actions don't hold up. To what they said And so there, there's your answers If your answers don't match what you're saying Then you are not who you say you are Yes um, That reminded me of a, uh, something that Maya Angelou would say She said people tell you who they are Or basically when people tell you who they are I'm paraphrasing Then listen, then believe them mm-hmm. And she's right At some point people actually do tell you who you are Like are. Donald Trump for all of his fault He yeah. told everybody Who he was you couldn't say you didn't know Who Mm, he was mm. back in 2016 or previous to that mm. You knew exactly who He was you just chose to pick Out the things that you aligned for those Who supported or who have excused Him that's neither here nor there At this point Mm. unfortunately But he said who he was Mm -hmm. And so the thing is people Did not some people decided they did not Want to believe him Mm -hmm. they should have believed him He, He told you who he was he backed it up by his actions. <laughs> so you can't say I, I didn't know it can't, It mm-hmm. was a surprise. No, it, it was there the whole time. To my point, I guess my thought was that Adel, it, the idea of sometimes as someone who's in the moment and who is in my general context as a black female having to deal with everything that's going on, I sometimes have to have this inner dialogue with myself of who. And it's sad that I have to have this of like who, who is actually here to support and who isn't. And you you begin to, it's hard sometimes to give people a chance when they are trying to be, like, do their best and they're going to make mistakes. And that brings me to a conversation that Adel had with uh, Gustav, who was the uh, fashion minister. Yes. And he had to call her out and and say, hey, I understand shit has gone down for you. I, I understand what's going on with the bells. But there is also the fact that you have to still have hope you can't totally that you're not by yourself yeah you have to trust that there are people out there who maybe not experience what you're doing but they're out there trying to do what they can to help and to be i don't want to say be careful but understand that you're not i don't want to say not wrong but like that internal struggle is not i think his thing was caution is good Mm -hmm. but to blanketly distrust everyone Mm -hmm. is not helpful to your cause yeah, And that was the trap that Adel was falling into Was that she Instead of being cautious She was just Distrusting everyone Everybody as basically an enemy mm-hmm. And you can't fight a everyone. battle or war that way yeah. um, It's kind of interesting Because while we were talking It just popped into my head m- Maybe because I just saw Selma And I just finished Re- listening to a quote by Malcolm X mm. that for me Camille and Adel are like Martin Luther King jr. in some parts and Malcolm X respectively mm-hmm. certain things yeah I can where see that. they have both of their stances and it's like neither one is fully is if they could merge them together mm-hmm. mm. that is the best option like you can see where both of them are coming from yes but merging those two those two uh, ideas, or thought processes together mm. into a harmonious unit yeah. was the, is the best way for it. And Camille kind of ends up easing more towards Adel's side just a little bit, mm-hmm. but she never goes so far where she distrusts people. She was like, we're going to have to trust somebody. I trust this person mm-hmm. because they've like proven like Gustav proved that he was trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so she knew she, she took a leap to of faith, She took a leap of faith because she didn't know how it was going to turn out. Yeah. But because of that and she was the one who was would push Adel mm-hmm. as well. But Adel was also someone who was like, Look, we can't trust everybody. everybody and I think the huge thing that came up was with their other sister Amber. Amber. Yes. And you'll read about that. I'm not gonna go into right. to that. But there have been some things that came up with Amber and also the idea of once you've lived your life, sometimes it's hard to go to, to go well, maybe it's the most comforting and the easiest thing is to go back. Right. You know, just because you become, you've you've gained your freedom doesn't immediately or you've been emancipated doesn't immediately make you free and give you everything that you've ever wanted. Sometimes there's comfort in knowing the system that you're under, what's expected of you. And that is kind of the trap that Amber found herself in. Oh, Amber. Yeah. It is, but I think it was important to show that, that it's not Everyone is not a monolith. Yes. Even in the same group. And I think that comes to the idea of when you think of, and I know I keep circling back to this, but any kind of protest where you have people within your own group who are, I don't want to say dissenters, but offer a different perspective or have a different, they support a different source that seems, that is counterintuitive to the, to what helps the whole group but there are there might be reasons behind it we were talking about Candace Owen yes and I'm not going to get too much into it but this idea of this this black person who is representing a lot of things that are anti-black but her reason not to excuse her this is not to excuse her but the idea and the concept of she has a reason for being on to representing that side Yes. And we discussed that because there was something that I was watching or listening to and it gave some more background information Mm -hmm. that she was talking about herself. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, ah, I see. I don't agree Mm -hmm. with what you're doing at this point, but I see how you possibly got here. Mm -hmm. And so that ends up making me a bit less judgmental i disagree right but open to having conversation as opposed to just shutting her down or anyone else like that right i mean mean, you still have to think for yourself and you have to be like you know what and i think this was something huge that i learned by watching the movie selma as well Mm -hmm. and also i was talking about like muhammad ali when i was watching that movie like there are certain things i did not like but that makes up part of a person and i think the huge thing is the fact that sometimes we as people get so caught up in the idea ideal of heroes mm-hmm. that we have where we forget that they're actually human and that they are fallible and they make mistakes mm-hmm. and sometimes their their motives are inconsistent or their actions and their words sometimes might be inconsistent mm-hmm And that was something that I was like, I will agree. I can agree with some people on these things, Mm -hmm. but on others, I don't. So was it the Minister of Defense at one point? had said to to go back to their conversation between him and Idol, they were talking about how resistance comes in different forms. you have to, just because it's not what you're what you're used to or what you're you're comfortable with, which for Adol, she only trusted her sisters, but she had to understand what did he say He said, but resistance comes in many forms, and alliances take many shapes. sometimes it's all fire and storms cutting off the heads of important people, other times it's a slow a crack forming in glass inching forward sliver by sliver spreading out across the entire surface and it made me think too of this concept of change is not just like the radical changes that we're having now but it's going to be little by little the way we interact with each other how we how people are acknowledging and accountable for how they interact with other people and how they contribute or take away from certain things that are going on in society beauty standards the idea of um segregating of of communities any kind of thing that you are a part of like how can you change not on only on a macro level but on a micro level your involvement in the world and how you interact with other people and create change i think also part of that is when you find out that you can't ally yourself with other people that you're not going to agree on everything 100% and I think that comes in with not just Gustav but as well as the Iron Ladies they needed more than just the bells to help them they need to bring these groups together and that means that there's going to be some type of give and take and the Iron Ladies I think are the best demonstration of that because here they are they're willing to work with them as a group they have individuals who disagree with that but as a group they're they're willing to work with the bells and when they do that they have things that they want and there are things that the bells want Mm -hmm. and so they have to come to some compromises so that they can move forward together as a unified group and i think the same thing applies to a lot of times the black community as a whole there have been some different things that I've been listening to lately, but I won't go into all to those things directly. But one of the main things was the fact that we need to move together as a unified group. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to be on the same page or we're all going to agree about every little thing, but we still need to say, Hey, I'm not going to be Republican. I'm not going to be Democrat. Mm -hmm. We have our own collective group and we're going to move forward as a single, as a solid unit. Mm -hmm. You get our vote as in our collectively Mm -hmm. i think it was dr claude anderson who said it he said we need to stop moving like fingers and move like a fist Fist. yeah that makes and i think that is embodied in those in the what is it with the uh, the i don't want to say coalition but the the group of the the resistance the resistance yes the resistance they're moving like a fist and not Mm -hmm. individual fingers Mm -hmm. because They were moving like fingers for a while, it seems, and And, that really wasn't getting them anywhere. So they had to join with the Bells and the Iron Ladies and anyone else in the resistance. Yes, and the fact that they went publicly with that to say like, hey, we all need to work together while we don't agree. with, And I I think they actually published something to to tell people that if you see the Bells, help them, because we all are in this together. And that goes to the idea of... you know, the black community has its own issues with homosexuality, LGBTQ uh, plus community and trans lives and things like that. And the fact that we can't say all of their names sometimes, or that we focus mainly on certain parts and aspects instead of understanding that we're all into this together or that we're segregating ourselves because yeah, black lives matter, but not your life as a, you're a black person. You exist in this group just because you're trans does not exclude you. We we are, and I think LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus does not exclude anyone because we're all the same. We are all looked at the same way, and I think one of my biggest points that sh- that I am in uh, that I find myself in opposition to sometimes with black movement is the fact that we choose not we but they have chosen to separate them out and to say your life does not matter on the scale of what we're fighting for if we remember back in the civil rights when they signed and came to an agreement they were not just leaving some people behind they were trying to make sure that everyone came with that we have to acknowledge and granted it wasn't perfect then, but this is, that's a learning experience. We need to make sure that everyone is included when we're fighting for rights and that we understand that we're all culpable at some point to certain things, or that we all have a responsibility. I don't want to say only culpable, but we have a responsibility to this movement, whether we have actual skin in the game or if we are just there as allies. And that brought me to this one point that, Oh, and pose. I was watching uh, the episode within the the show that the female identifying uh, cast or group or the characters okay. in the show, show were like, hey, there exists even as we're on the outside. We are a unit. We fight as one. We close ranks. But there is infighting within our own group. We choose to sec- to judge and pull down and tear down And it makes no sense that we do that, that we tear each other down within our own group. And a part of that is a product of these things that have been put in place for hundreds of years that we've learned to internalize and separate ourselves. And I think that also is why we have so much of an issue, too, of other people of color. Colorism. Yeah. Separating themselves or saying, oh, all lives matter. Yes. Yes. We're not saying that they don't. We're saying that if they all did, we wouldn't have this conversation. So why are we having this conversation? Because it's obvious that it isn't that all that black all lives matter. And that if you don't understand that, that we're that supporting this movement is supporting your 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 group of people as well. I think the best um, example I heard about it was I can't remember who it was, but they were on YouTube. And they were basically saying that saying all lives matter is like saying, oh, well, we should go and give people who have a com- the common cold the same treatment as people in the ICU because all people matter. All health matters. And that's not how it goes. We give more focused, in-depth treatment on the problem at hand. Then we move on with those who have less symptoms or their symptoms are not as severe because their health issues are not as severe. That's Basically how we work. We go and we hit the thing that needs the most attention first. And then we work our way towards the thing that needs the least amount Mm -hmm. of attention. That just makes sense. Mm -hmm. We don't treat everyone the same way when we have, when they're at different places. And the same thing with Black Lives Matter. Right now we're talking about Black Lives. And when I say that Black Lives Mattering, I mean Black, Black community, LGBTQ plus, Brown community whoever because those lives are right now the ones that are in jeopardy exactly in jeopardy once we get to that point where black lives matter black black and brown lives and lgbtq plus lives all matter then we can say all lives matter because all the lives are being treated equally the same mm. but until then we need to focus on the major call the major problem mm-hmm. which is the fact that black lives black lgbtq plus brown lives those lives don't matter they don't carry the same amount of weight as white lives mm. or other lives Mm -hmm. there should not be some type of status or or ladder Mm. for who lives matter that doesn't make any sense that's not how things should be Mm -hmm. and this gives me the thought of with that with coming with acknowledging that that brings us to seeing representation of all of those in all situations of acknowledging the contributions that have been made by those people in society and representing that as well and having them be seen and voiced and not silenced. And what's interesting in the Bells is that they are, as things go through, Camille is finding her voice and how to deal with the situation and her anger about everything. And the Bells are trying to find their space in this world, all versions of the Bells. And once the groups decided to work together towards a common threat, then they could address all the other issues. And there were other ones, because there was a point where Camille and Adel go to meet the minister of fashion, yes. and they're standing in a crowd listening to how people talk about the bells, and how they think that they people should handle the bells. Uh, we should get rid of them. We should control them. These All these thoughts about how to interpret and how to guide other people's lives instead of asking those people, how do you want to exist within the society? How can we work together to build our community and not take advantage of you? You know what I mean? Or uh, ostracize you or keep you as a separate, not non-human in our community. And that conversation or hearing those conversations, it just made me think of like how people, T- how we were talking about the Melinda Gates thing um, yes. where they were talking about philanthropic racism where I'll have to find it again. But it w- came from a 60 Minutes interview with uh, Melinda Gates where she was basically saying how they were bringing contraceptives to women in developing nations or women who lived in poverty. hmm mostly Africa, probably India. And she said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing that, basically those women don't need to be having all those children. So here she is, she's making a choice Mm -hmm. for someone else saying what that person or that woman should and should not be having. Whether or not she's having how many children this woman has, whether she wants to have those children, I thought that was the choice of a woman to make. Right. That goes to the idea of just how... Female bodies are controlled with beauty, not only beauty, but health. Uh, I think I forgot to go back to this point of with Pose of the idea of even within their own community, there was this male judgment gaze of the female body, the female body. So it, it was had a light bulb go off in my head of this idea of that no matter what group in the all over the world, there still exists this judgment, regulation, advice, whatever you want to call it, of the male gaze on the female body, even if like on trans female bodies, doesn't matter. The female body is still this thing that is critiques. governed by non-females or females trapped in the a sunken place of some sort. In you know what I mean? Right. This sad, and it's sad that there exists this idea that our beauty is a commodity to be used for fighting against ourselves. Like it's a way of controlling us and keeping us occupied. Of uh, of us not a having either access to certain beauty or being told that we aren't beautiful or that we're not the standard of beauty and that this is. And if you're this version of beauty, then you're going to be the ones that, that is accepted and being seen and represented more than anything else. Uh, in pose, I think one of the, one of the children from the house becomes, uh, starts becoming a model. Okay. She, not only is she a trans woman, which they don't know about, but she's Latina. Okay. So you have her representing not only just these fringe groups, these different fringe groups, because there was only like blonde or brunette, but white women who were out there. And they addressed the idea of this representation of a black woman or a Latino woman being so subversive and new and different, but it was a new start. She was pushing for that to be seen. But there was also, when you found out she was a trans woman, then everything was taken away. There was a shutdown of what is considered feminine. Is she a fraud because she wasn't born feminine? Right. Or with the female genitalia. And so there's this whole thing if she loses everything because of it. And again, it's because there are other people governing what does it mean to be female? What does it mean to to take care of yourself as female if you don't exhibit these traits or if you weren't born with this then you're not female. Well who's you know, law is that or what what gives you the power to decide how I govern my body in any context. Right. Whether it's beauty, sex, health, whatever. I should have a voice in speaking about my body. Right. And for people who are like, Oh, well we need to curb the amount of children in undeveloped nations and things like that, then give women full rights. Give them rights to their bodies. Give them rights to education. Give them rights to live their lives and let them choose for themselves. Mm -hmm. But here you are, you're still enforcing here. I'm enforcing Western ideals on you wherever you are, Mm -hmm. whether you're in Africa or Asia or something, I'm still imposing my Western ideals on Mm -hmm. you of what you should be and what you should do. And there it is again, white woman coming in, Mm. save your complex. Let me save these people. From themselves, from themselves, because they don't know how to take care of themselves. But I'm so like, who put us in that position? I can, I can take <laughs> care of them. It's, I'm, I'm like, does that go to the the guilt that, or like, do they feel this subconscious guilt and that's why they want to go save and feel so they may not in their heads contemplate the idea of this is a creation of white supremacy or white, uh, a Western Philanthropic racism Yeah But they're still Trying to fix a problem And you can't decide How to fix this problem Only I can And in my head I'm like Is it because you in your You have that Because I created it In their head Like is that going on Or is it just like I just need to fix this problem Because it exists And you guys Can't take care of it yourself Like I need to fix you Yeah and that, and that seems to be The prevailing thing Instead of understanding Somebody from the context That they're coming from mm-hmm. From the culture They're coming from I'm going to impose that's basically colonialism. Mm-hmm. I'm going to a new form of colonialism. You, yes. <sighs> philanthropic colonialism. Yeah. Just I know we're not and... I know we're not the first ones to talk about this but we're just having I ourselves. know, but I really like those those terms, <sighs> those terms. philanthropic racism and philanthropic <sighs> colonialism. And if there is no such thing as philanthropic colonialism I then I just created it. I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone's. That's fine. But if I'm the first one to actually say it and it's recorded, then I did it. (laughs) It's my term. We'll let her have this one. How did you feel about the story? Is there anything else that you wanted to like kind of pull up or address that came to you? No, I think we pretty much covered a lot of things. It covers a lot. It does cover a lot. And I think if you are a student of black history, Native American history, actual American history, Mm -hmm. not the watered down whitewashed American history that they feed us in school Mm -hmm. which means that it's something that you need to actually go and seek out for yourself pick up these books there are tons of authors who have written about them historians that have written about these things and you can see the breakdown of how we have gotten to where we are currently Mm -hmm. in this country and probably by extension to many parts of the world, mm-hmm. because of how these laws have come into place, how just these, been allowed to do whatever, right? Anyone. These backroom deals were made. I'm not sure if Danielle was thinking about all these things at the she macro level. She definitely wrote about it. <laughs> but these are things that, especially with what's going on right now, I can pull so many parallels from it right so many examples of how this is exactly what's happening in the world and how it came to this point point. and i think as a young adult novel to not without it being too overbearing or uh too drudging or not drudging, but like getting stuck in so much thematic information that it just feels like she's like just throwing a brick at your head of all this information right. and like she's beating just it to shove you. it down your yeah. throat it's kind of more of like there's this like conversation going on in the back of your head as you're reading it and you're caught up in the 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 adventure and drama of it because like you said the second book is very much she's already given you the background so you can kind of flow through a lot of things and she has more time to just go through the drama of what's going on or the storyline that's going on and exploring characters and in that exploration of characters even going to more thematic issues right? and the changes that they go through especially mm. when they're talking with each other getting to know each other better. Oh, there was one thing we forgot to talk about and it was a conversation between her and August. Ah, uh, yes. Because this is a conversation that I find is happening a lot within the current context and this idea of sorry and the apology and I'll post this on our Instagram and I'll try to figure out how to share this link on our Facebook page. But it was this idea of like how to actually apologize or the, I loved it when you show, when you show that to me, I was honestly, my, my thought was I need this for myself so that I can remember this Mm -hmm. when it's time for me to have to apologize. To someone else and I think that's why I like it because it's not just within the context of this this is just as a human being that idea of what apology actually is and what does it constitute and are you really when you're doing it or when you think you're doing it are you what are your motives what are you doing when you're are you just trying to make yourself feel mm-hmm. better but the idea was that August was like I'm sorry I'm sorry I know I'm responsible and he was working to to rectify what he had done he was to his credit he was trying to write a wrong that mm-hmm. he had done for sure but for Camille which rightly so with her anger she had said that answer will never be enough it will never be all right and just because you he did because he had told her I didn't know the extent of how like what Sophia was doing until it was too late and I didn't know I don't know I didn't know I'm sorry I didn't know we're at a point where you can't you it, know that doesn't matter. Yeah, because just because you don't know what the consequences of your actions are going to be doesn't alleviate you from having to face the consequences. And just saying I'm sorry doesn't mean that it okays the fact that you chose to be willfully ignorant or or that you chose to be on the wrong side in that particular instance. Mm. And that's the one thing people always talk about, "Oh, I have rights. I have the right to do this." But With your rights and the choices you make, you don't get to choose the consequences Mm -hmm. of your actions. You can make your choices, but you don't choose the consequence of your choices. And that's something that if you're not the beneficiary or the person being impacted by, someone else can Mm -hmm. be impacted by your decisions, whether it is your action or your Your inaction. Yeah. Because complacency can kill as well. Mhm. Silence is violence as they, those protest signs have been saying. Right, and that is something we are seeing bearing fruit right now, the inaction as well as the actions of people to do certain specific things to target a specific group mm-hmm. or groups in America and it has happened in other parts of the world as well. We're not unique in this, but there are consequences and mm-hmm. you cannot choose the consequences. Yeah. Once you've made your decision, everything else is the reaction and action to that afterwards. And you just have to deal with the result of it. And that includes how you apologize. And And that's a big thing that I find a topic that I've been going through and you've been going through, I think, too, this week of this idea of an apology is not enough as well. An apology isn't just saying I'm sorry. It involves so much more. Uh, And I don't want to get too much into i'm not going to read word for word for what the apology anatomy of an apology was but i just wanted to read the basic ideas or the concepts and you can once we post this you can read the the afterthought of it but the anatomy of an apology starts with consent it's followed up by acknowledgement of your your role in it followed by an emotional uptake that has to occur so that people feel free to express their response to your apology as well not that Apology, end of story. Then there comes to centering the hurt and focusing on what has occurred. And that leads to accountability. If you understand what the actual hurt was and what you as a person, individual, but also as a greater context of the group has done, you can start to understand how you can take an accountability. Instead of just saying, I don't know, I didn't do it, I wasn't there. we also being accountable for your role in whatever happened. Exactly. Followed by when you take accountability then you can change the behavior right because now you know you cannot say i didn't know and then from that point you could it's called divest from forgiveness and invest in the labor of reconciliation divorce from appeasing our feelings of guilt or need for absolution and it goes on more from there but that idea of you're not doing this to get forgiveness or that should not be your main goal there's more to it right and you should know that you may not be you may not receive forgiveness don't for forgiveness it. sometimes does not come for a long time for some people. Mm-hmm. And they, that means a person who is the one that is, has to find forgiveness eventually mm-hmm. or is seeking for it will eventually get there. Mm-hmm. And it may take a, a lot of time. There are sometimes things that are very difficult to forgive, especially when these traumas have been occurring for so long. It's not going to be, I, I don't know if instantaneous. you can hear, about, but She snapped her finger. Yeah. She just snapped her finger. I did a that old step. And suddenly everyone's forgiven. No, it doesn't work like that. I wish it did because sometimes I would just be like, man, I wish we were next to the point, so I- past this point so I could feel free to enjoy my life and my identity and like live my life. But no, I've got my own. It's just like on the other side where people say, don't sit there and wait for someone to apologize to mm. you because you might be waiting for the rest Ever. of your life and this other person's gone on and not even thought about what nope. they've done. So if you can't put your your life on hold waiting for someone to apologize to you you also can't put your life on hold waiting, waiting for, someone for someone to, someone forgive, to forgive, you. forgive you nor should you expect them to just magically forgive you just because you say you're sorry mm-hmm. goes back to the action so how many fuzzy froze are you going to give the everlasting rose i like this book much more than the first one hmm The first one was good, but I like this one more. I don't remember what I gave the last one. And I am going to give this one five, Fuzzy Froze. That's how much I liked it. Yeah. I was going to, you know, I'm going to come through with my half life at four and a half. Because it was great. Actually, I I really liked it. I don't know if I can find a fault. But uh, so I guess why am I giving it four and a half? But I don't know. I just I think the only thing that I was concerned about is because where they left it off, I was just. Thinking Danielle could end this book, this series, like right here, mm-hmm. with two books. But it's it seems to be open a third. Ended. Oh, there, yeah, that's right. and I suppose you could say in a in, a, in a way be? it's kind of open for another book. But I, but I kind of like the way it just mm. ended this with this one because it's like. We don't really know how you can change. Right. I don't really. I mean, yeah, I might have a little curiosity, but mm. not enough to be like, man, there's a whole nother story mm. waiting. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see what she for does. Book number three. Yeah. I think that is then it. what we have for today. I don't remember. Are we doing one of the dead? for our next yes we are one. doing wand of the Dead, yes which is in cute Q- it's set in cuba i yes, believe it's a cuban zombie, zombie movie. movie i know i was excited when you picked this up because i i don't think i've seen a movie from cuba i don't believe i have either let alone a zombie movie but yeah. when i saw the trailer i don't even know how i found it it's, but it when funny. i saw the trailer i was just like we have to watch this mm-hmm mm. <laughs> I can see so much potential. So join us next time as we talk about one of the dead. You can track us on Facebook and Instagram for I am not a peach crane because you can find us on both. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Please you know, give us a review, talk to us so that we know that someone's listening, but also just to have dialogue. I'm always open to conversation, open dialogue, but please be respectful. Otherwise, we will ignore your ass. I'm not kidding. I don't She's deal right. with that I disrespectful. I will delete you. Uh, but we're open to conversation. I, we'd love to learn new things. We're constantly learning as we are uh, reading these books and we have to do our own research. And if... And if you have any suggestions for future books or movies Feel that free. you'd like us to cover, then please, by all means, let us know. Yeah. Send that in. Please and thank you. So we're going to put these crayons away. We didn't snap any this time. That's <laughs> right. And we will meet up with you next time. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. Let's, way Let's just say until next time, this <laughs> is Kristen yeah. Wow, I, yeah. I, this is Isha <laughs> for Isha. I can speak for myself. Whatever.